It's all part of the plan. DC Talk right here on Get Into Gig, episode 14. My name is Mitch, talking all things DC on the big and little screens. And it doesn't get much bigger than the worldwide release of The Flash, which is little more than a week away. It's finally here, guys. Now, over the last couple of weeks, we've been hearing... Some pretty positive reviews coming out of the world premiere and a number of critic screenings that are going on, mainly over in the US. But finally, we are going to get a look at it next Thursday, Australian time, the 15th of June. A couple of early previews to go before that, one of which we will be a part of so we can get out our thoughts as soon as possible. But finally, this movie is here, which will be good if not for just getting an honest answer out of everybody fighting about it on on Twitter, we went from everybody seeing it seemingly very happy with it, which angered the haters and said that people were lying that they'd seen it just so that they could give it a positive review. Then more reviews were coming out that were mainly negative, which the haters were happy with, saying, finally, we've got people being honest about this. But then you had the opposite side of the argument saying, wow, now people are claiming to see it just to be negative on it. So finally, we're going to have actual human eyes on this for real. There'll be no did they or didn't they this movie will be out in cinemas and people can just go at it online at least with the opportunity to have seen it behind them because as it stands at the moment of me recording this monday june the 5th the film on rotten tomatoes at the very least which you know hey it's critics having their say averages out at 89 percent it was 90 when i looked at it last night so this thing is a very very positively reviewed film and all of a sudden we have an average audience score as well of 60 percent so even though some people might be hate bombing it some people might be reviewing it favorably having not seen it the average at this stage still has it in the positive and we're going to get some answer one way or another as of mid next week Now, in any normal world, all this positive talk around a film and all the projections of how well it's going to do at the box office in its opening weekend or weekends would have the company seriously thinking about a sequel. That's clearly not going to be happening, not in the way that any normal sequel would be happening. But director Andy Muschietti was asked about it last week, and he did speak to the playlist about it, commenting specifically on Ezra Miller's future in a possible sequel and how Ezra Miller would not be recast. Which on one hand sounds very surprising considering what we know about Ezra and the future of the DCU, but also works and is 100% true if you look at it from that certain point of view, I think, that we all are. He says, if a sequel happens, yes, I don't think there's anyone that can play that character as well as they did. The other depictions of the character are great, but this particular vision of the character, they just excelled in doing it. Now, that's the director talking about his own lead actor in a giant film that needs all the support that it can get. And there were some other stories over the weekend that claim Ezra Miller will be playing absolutely no part in the worldwide promotion of The Flash. No interviews, nothing of the sort other than appearing on the red carpet of some big premieres that are to come before the film's release next weekend. So yeah, what else is the director to say? But it does match up what a lot of other critics that have already seen the film are saying. Ezra Miller absolutely kills it as The Flash in this film. A lot revolves around the character of Barry Allen, unsurprisingly, but also the dual roles that Ezra Miller plays in The Flash. So that's great. Ezra Miller kills it. Fantastic. That's all we wanted. But 
there is no way they're going to make a sequel to this film. Is The Flash going to be a part of James Gunn's future of the DCU? You, yes, 100%. We've got to assume that he will. But is Ezra Miller going to be playing The Flash? No, there is no chance of that. Have they said that yet? No, but what else are they going to do? They're not going to come out ahead of this film, which so many fans already are saying, what's the point of watching it? It's wrapping up a universe. What's the point of watching Blue Beetle in a couple of months? What's the point of watching Aquaman 2 at the end of the year when none of these will mean anything in the ongoing universe and the future of the DCU? James Gunn's not stupid enough to come out and say absolutely Ezra's not going to be part of this franchise afterwards. The fact that the lead performer is not out there promoting their own film, also another big indicator that they don't want Ezra to play any further part in this film and are limiting Ezra's presence in and around the movie. And Andy Muschietti, who many are already talking around him coming back to play some type of role in Batman Brave and the Bold because of his love and and his admiration and passion around the Batman character in the way that he's talked about Michael Keaton coming back for this movie, he might still be in the family and wanting to come back and direct some future installments. He's playing the game. He knows what he's doing. Is he going to say Ezra's not coming back? Of course not. But what else are you going? You can't say that he is because you're lying. You can't say that Ezra is because then he's lying. If you say that Ezra's not, then there's a few more empty seats in every theatre that don't want to come and see a film that doesn't have any particular future, which is a stupid way to look at it, let's be fair, but to each their own, and they want as many bums in as many seats, making as much money as possible, so they're all playing the good game here. Otherwise, the news has been relatively light over the last couple of days. All the focus from Warner Brothers and the DCU is just about promoting The Flash. And for the most part, it is all positive. So I don't see that changing up until the film's release. We'll hopefully have another episode before we actually see The Flash. So we'll see what type of news they have to share with us between now and then. I'm tipping not a lot, but let's hope they surprise us. As we do each and every week on It's All Part of the Plan, I'm continuing my journey through the DC television universe that has, now that Flash is wrapped up, all concluded, save for Superman and Lois, which I say nervously because at any moment that show could also be cancelled. We'll talk about that when it happens. Right now, though, as I watch these in the order that they were released, we are hitting Supergirl Prom Night. Season 6, Episode 5, Nia and Brainy attempt to save Supergirl from the Phantom Zone by time-travelling back to Kara's home in 2009. A young reporter named Kat Grant sets her sights on Midvale as she suspects there is a big story in the small town. Oh boy. So, you know, a couple of weeks ago, The Flash had an episode led by two of its secondary characters that also involved time travel of sorts. And despite some setbacks, that actually might have been the best episode of The Flash in a long time. Supergirl's version? uh, I was actually excited at the start, though. We've seen Alex, John, uh, even Jimmy Olsen-led episodes throughout the show's run. But in this final season, it's probably overdue that they give ownership to Nia and Brainiac with a uh, buddy cop type episode that this ended up being but i feel like they caused us to ask more questions than give us answers the big ending in last week's episode was nia revealing they needed to go back in time to save kara so here they're going back to 2009 because a rarely injured kara did bleed leaving dna which the team need in the present day to locate her in the phantom zone Because things need to be complicated. But, and I may be oversimplifying it, 
if they have the ability to travel back in time, with the sole intent of being able to save Kara from being taken to the Phantom Zone, why not just go back to the time she was taken? Look, no doubt there is an in-universe reason that the characters not only don't do this, but don't even flag it as an option to each other in dialogue that us as a viewer might want to listen to. And when I say an in-universe explanation, I'm talking about other than Legends of Tomorrow's entire existence, where each episode is flawed with the fact that the team travel to different points in time after a giant problem has occurred, rather than before it, to stop it from happening altogether. Yes, then there is no show if they don't do that. But tell me why you need to do it that way, rather than just because it's television. As has been the case with all flashback episodes, though, the younger Kara and Alex extremely well cast, both in appearance and performance. But damn, were they made out to look like idiots with how quickly they just accepted Nier and Brainiac as aliens to not only look human, but already dress human and speak era-appropriate human slang. And the next scene, they're each having sleepovers with these aliens that they've just met. And in the case of Kara, I can only imagine letting Nia wear her pajamas. Go back and have a look. I couldn't not see that. I did like the temptation, though, of Nia wanting to call her mother, still alive in this 2009 past. She's been struggling with her powers all season, really, her confidence in them, and the reminder that in her people, the mother passes down and instructs the power to her daughter. It was an understandable temptation to risk the space-time continuum stuff to speak with her mum. Brainiac, on the other hand, though, uh uh-uh. I don't care how much he's stress-eating or whatever he's doing. The the character that we've come to know doesn't leave the safety of a place he's not supposed to be, leaving behind a piece of technology that he shouldn't have to go and find a vending machine for snacks. The resulting scenes that came after, where he'd been recruited for Glee Club and the baseball team, I hope that they weren't meant to be funny, because they weren't, but rather extend out what should have already been a short story. There's no way we couldn't have had this mission wrapped up in normal time. Now, the addition of Cat Grant was fun, and, and like the sisters, pretty well cast with her performance, but the blue aliens in orbit talking about wanting to take down Kryptonians. When did this show become Power Rangers with its villains? And I say that as a Power Rangers fan. And I know I've been harping on about it, but while the first four episodes of this final season of Supergirl have had very little actual Supergirl, this episode had none. We are now one quarter of the way through the series Farewell, and not only is the character, the main character, still off-world, but now we're going entire episodes without her. And if this story was so important that Kara had to be kept out of it, are we even going to see her next week? Because this bad boy ended with To Be Continued, part one of two. Are you serious? We are going to have a lot to talk about next episode. Not only part two of this um, <clears throat> epic Supergirl narrative, but also Batwoman, the trial of Killer Frost in The Flash, and hold your goddamn horse, because Legends of Tomorrow is back, baby! Oh, the show that probably should have been cancelled a few seasons ago. Yes, if you've just joined us, I know these shows were actually cancelled a year ago in real time. But it was at this point of release where Legends came back as I'm catching up as they went to air. Or am I? And and this is really a question for you. Now, I've been watching the Arrowverse since it kicked off. And for better or worse, 
multiple times along the way. It's been worse. I've never actually missed an episode, and I'm very much still here. Now, sure, I might have hit pause on my watch through as the podcast took a sabbatical for um, a couple of years, but I am intent on seeing it through to the end, up to and including the finale of The Flash, which, again, in real time, aired about two weeks ago. And I figured I may as well chat on the podcast about it while I do it. That's how this whole thing started. That's how I would like it to end. But I can't help but feel a little bit deflated on the on the whole thing now that the CW's shared universe is over. And yeah, like I said before, Superman and Lois is at this stage still going, but it is it's disconnected in its own way. We all know that. Even at this stage of my rewatch, I don't know that, but I know that now. I've read some stuff about it since then. So I've honestly asked myself whether I just skip the rewatch updates on the podcast and just keep the DC chat to current news and current reviews. You know, I'd say I'd see out Supergirl's final season now that I'm talking about it now, but well, why not Legends, whose final season will have just started when Supergirl's wraps up on the podcast? But then why give a shit about Legends when The Flash is out there ending its run as the longest serving Arrowverse show? Why not pay it the respect of seeing its final episodes out? So, what do you think? What do you want to hear? Should we change things up and just cover the news and fresh movies and TV whenever that happens to come about? Or should that include what we're doing now, the old guard of the Arrowverse, while I continue on my rewatch? Have your say in the comments or vote on our poll on Twitter, which is up now. And we will leave it up for a little while while we collate some votes and go through it on a future episode of the podcast. That is all for episode 14 of It's All Part of the Plan. We will see you back next time for a four-way share of new, at least to me, episodes of DCTV as we count down the days to the worldwide release of The Flash. Get into Geek.